Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, the place where we are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. That was the most monotonous response point I've ever said. No enunciation, nothing. However, I got something for you, Charlie. Have you ever like looked back at things you have done to say, did I do that correct and what would I change? And then looked forwards to go, how am I going to implement that change? I feel it's the story of my life. Perfect. So I was looking at our We're Back episode and I noticed there was one thing that was outstanding and it just annoyed me so much. You want to know what it was? Absolutely. I did not have my business and investing mug with me. It was outrageous. It was a green one. I and thought, I was I thought something was off. It was like it was off. something tasted off. It smelt off. It was just it was wrong. So I apologize to absolutely everybody. And the best thing about this mug, Charlie, I don't know if you can see, but it actually says business and investing. And we should have put dot com forward slash newsletter. Because if you want to subscribe to this podcast or our email newsletter, head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email and subscribe. Be notified every single time we drop one of these episodes. Now, Charlie, let's cue your disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Business and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. I got it. I'm back. To say, all right, Grant, that, that was the best intro you have done in season two. Uh, undoubtedly. That's like the energy and rhythm was there. I could I got to dial it. it back. I got to bring it back. Bring it back. Got an interesting topic for you today. All right. Is it the one that's on the sheet? I hope it's the one on the sheet. <laughs> no, I'm just going to change the whole thing. Yeah, don't give me a curveball. I haven't prepped for it. Oh, no. Well, I like to give the audience where this has come from, not just dive into things from here. So in agency world, particularly in advertising, Q4 is a big thing. It's a really big thing. And I'll explain why. For anyone who's an advertiser, in Q4, the cost of ads goes up substantially. And strategically, you have to be much more clever than you do in the rest of the year. And I'll explain why. A lot of, let's say, toy companies don't advertise for the majority of the year. They just wait for the lead up till Christmas. So instead of, let's say, spending you know a split amount of their budget across the year, there's just this two-month window where they go hard, really hard, to make sure that they can get their orders in for parents buying toys for their kids and whatnot. Now, it's gone further than that, though. It's not just the you know Christmas lead-up and, let's say, products. We also have things like Cyber Monday, Black Friday sales. Right? We also have to contend with the idea that on uh, holidays like Thanksgiving, that people don't operate in the same way or people go away over Christmas time and then don't even get me started on the new year, new me campaigns. You know, like how many personal trainers uh, will ramp up their lead gen this time of year as well to get in shape for Christmas. And then January 1st comes and it's like, lose that Christmas job. That's it. It's almost like you could just like see the perfect plans coming through. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a wild time. Now, if you're someone who's trying to generate leads in Q4, the agency you work with, and I should say if you're doing ad- advertising, has to be very aware of this stuff because it's very easy to make a wrong move. Like it would only take to launch a new campaign on the same weekend as a massive promo from all the retails or when everyone's on Thanksgiving, not going to get results you're happy with at all. Or or to realize that your entire sales team's off on a holiday for two weeks and forgot to dial down your ad spend. All these things matter. <laughs> it just loaded ha- them up with It's a it. great one, right? Let's say you're having a Christmas party. 
and you know everyone's uh, not going to be available that next day, maybe adjust your budgets. But anyway, let's not go too deep to there because uh, I know this audience isn't specific. Oh, sorry, this podcast isn't specifically about advertising, but it brings up a really good point around. I know we are both doing a lot of like Q4 planning around like client campaigns at the moment, but I've been thinking about the importance of quarterly planning in your business. Like how are you treating this? Or with your investing, right? I know I've got some things I'm trying to knock off before the end of the year when it comes to investing as well. So Grant, I'll hand the mic over to you. Do you think quarterly planning is important and critical or is it all bullshit? I think that a lot of people like the fact that there's anchors. So, but you know what? Screw it. I'm going to answer your question directly. No, I think it is thoroughly important. I don't think it's bullshit. However, there are a lot of caveats to that. I think it is fantastic to have the anchor to lift the head and look at what's far in front of you. So, for example, imagine the Q2 heading into end of financial year. Again, you just want to lift your head, go, what do I need to plan for and execute against that plan? Same with Q4, as we were mentioning. And the other quarters are slightly different for other businesses like florists in February and all those kind of things. Oh, let's pull that one up there. So let's say Q2 planning comes into end of financial year in Australia. It's apparent that if you do certain things in Q2, that that could be very tax advantageous or tax detrimental, or you might have very critical things you need to prepare so you can make it at end of financial year. Completely, completely. And then yeah, from a financial standpoint, you need to ensure that you've got checks and balances and cash and et cetera, and transfers out depending on your distributions. Like there's a lot of things to think about and worry about primarily on the accounting side as well uh, from a Q2. And then from a Q4, as we've just mentioned, like there's a lot of things to worry about from a Q4. Now, if you're not doing something like quarterly planning, if you're just trying to plan for 12 months, the probability of you missing these things because it will just pop up in the calendar the week before is quite high. Right, like it's like holy smokes, Charlie. Do you know on Monday it's going to be Christmas? <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, have we planned for this? And so I look at going, what is too far where it's not contextually relevant, which twelve months, but what is too short where I can't do anything about it? And I think the quarterly has aligned very nicely for myself and what I've done previously, just because it gives me a couple of months to prep for campaigns, prep for leave prep for all of these things where if I was just doing month by month, I would not have any of that up my sleeve. So here's my beef. You ready for the beef? Okay, I'm ready. I think a lot of people in business love the idea of quarterly planning or annual planning or even monthly planning because it delivers some form of certainty to them. Right? That's what they're looking for, of, of things to go a certain way. My, my big beef with that is when I look at these particularly annual plans, to your point, is that a couple of months into the year, things can change so dramatically that if you're not flexible and willing to change, continuing with the plan you've anticipated on can be a really bad idea, like critically bad. As, what is it Mike Tyson says? Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. But that's what business <laughs> is. <laughs> totally. And it was funny because that was literally the next point that I made, which is like if opportunity strikes, why are you going to wait for the end of the quarter? Right? I like, could if, not si- concur more. Yeah, if situations fundamentally change, like if you've had – a team be significantly impacted if you've had a couple of clients be significantly impacted. Well, you're not going to all go, ah, that's fine, Charlie. We'll wait until the end of December before we reevaluate how we're going to reply to this or change the organization to support it. It's like, no, like things have changed. The game is now different. You need to adapt to that difference. Well, the, the other end of the spectrum is um, true as well, right? So let, let's say, you know, you're of the Mike Tyson view, which 
I'm thrilled Mike's made it to the podcast as a quote, by the way. We'll go there. Dude, it's only taken me 100 odd episodes. I've been what, trying what to bring him in. <laughs> but um, there's a camp of people that do no planning because they believe that it's, too, it's impossible to plan with all the variables of business. I disagree. I would imagine you would. So <laughs> there you go. Anyway, do you do planning? I do, but that's where I want to get to. Okay, so I am of the view that what I've observed is there's a group of people that are heavily planned, heavily structured. They do maybe the EOS type planning or another version of strategic planning. And then they take it so seriously and have a huge amount of inflexibility that it's actually to their detriment. There's a second group of people that do that planning. Things go off course, and then when they go off course is they don't use the plan at all and like beat themselves down for not being able to follow the plan. And I'm like, do, do you realize that no one's following the plan? Like, If you have this perception that every other business owner out there that's doing proper annual planning or quarterly planning is like, no, they've got it nailed. They know things you don't. You're <laughs> less than because you can't stick to the annual and quarterly plans that you've laid out from here. You're not a real business owner because you, yes. you have veered off course. <laughs> I would even use the analogy. It's like meditation, right? Like um, to be successful in the meditation, many people, and this was me at the beginning, it's like, oh, you must just have like no thoughts and a clear mind. It's like, and then I'm watching this interview with a monk who's been doing it for 10 years. It's like, no, no, that's, that, that is meditation. There's always stuff coming up. Like you never have this sound mind. It's a constant battle. <laughs> exactly. And that's where I want to shed the light here and then we'll go a little bit more into what I think we've been doing in more recent times, it's probably the version of it that I'm enjoying the most. But too strict, detrimental, does the planning, it doesn't go well, and then beats themselves down and I think actually does damage to their like self-worth and confidence in business because of it and they're comparing to others that they think follow the quarterly plan. Other camp, Mike Tyson fans, I ain't doing no planning because I know I'm going to get punched in the face. And, and just to highlight the downside of that, if you're going into business just completely opportunistic and not setting a direction, you are going to spin your wheels. Eternally. That's like a, the equivalent of using lottery tickets as a wealth strategy. Hey, wait, what? <laughs> That's not a wealth strategy? No, but it's it's the same. Like uh, there is one other camp that I've come across. Go for it. Which are the ones that do the quarterly planning, put it in the top drawer, never to refer to it until the next quarter. <laughs> it's like, it's almost like a decompress. It's like, oh, now I think I know where I'm going to go. And then they go and pick it up and they go, yeah, no, nah, we did not get anywhere near that at all. Let's try that again. And it's almost like they just dust it off. Let's go. <laughs> I have seen that many times because then they just operate from a Mike Tyson point where they're just like, well. Just, I think just- it's better than nothing, right? At least there was some intention of direction set a little bit. <laughs> what? This is like it's as good as putting your gym clothes on and just not going to the gym. Like there was intent there. Yeah, I will say this. Let's pretend that in that example there, someone uh, sets a quarterly plan, they go to the gym every week, and they just forget what their goal is. Like, oh, yeah, I was meant to lose 10 kilos. Still probably better they went to the gym a little bit than nothing, but probably didn't get the results they were anticipating on. Yeah, no, that, that is fair, I guess. If they made it into the gym and they did it, which is obviously running the business. Yeah, no, I could, I could totally see that. But it's almost like, yeah, if you're too heavy on one side, it's tough. Like you just don't change because it's like, this is a plan. We're going to execute the plan. Anything else that pops up has to wait until the end of the quarter where to the former, it's like you just train the wind. Like you just, every peak and trough you're wearing, you'd have no idea where you're trying to get to. It's just waiting to be, to your point, opportunistic of what rocks up and comes. This is what I love about planning. 
I think it's great when you can create some sort of plan when if you're working within a team is it creates alignment. So for you and I, when we do a bit of quarterly planning, it's like actually to make sure that our actions are aligned so there's like a compound effect. You do something, then it aligns with what I'm doing and that stacks on top of the other. So if you work in a team, I think planning and setting out a direction you want to go is critical. Otherwise, all boats just go in all directions, which not a great thing either. The other thing I quite like is the forced setting of time to prioritize. Like what's actually important? And I think that when I throw things on a to-do list or I'm, I'm writing things down, I haven't properly thought through like, you know, does doing point A actually mean more than point B? Or what has the bigger payoff? Or if I take care of a certain thing, so maybe there's a goal to get a client and I don't recognize, well, if I get this client, it's going to create more work for me continually versus if I hire someone, well, that's going to build leverage in the business. Like, am I prioritizing the right things? And I think one of the side benefits of planning is prioritization in a really huge way. And then one more before I throw the mic over is the last one that really reigns true for me is the constraint. It's like putting a deadline on things so that there's not vague. And I think that's a, a great thing for people to have. So if it's, you know, aligning people, if it's also prioritization, and then it's also creating a constraint, there's your real wins. That's the value to me. When you assess something that sits on the list of Charlie's to-do list or review list or a notes list or whatever it is, do you try to assess how big of a task it is or how greater impact that will have to assess whether or not it's just like, cool, I'll just do the thing right now. Or you know what, I'm going to wait, think about it and then execute on it. Like, is it, if I do a task, like sell a client in your example, it's like, I, I know I can figure that out and see if there's teams here, whatever it is within an hour versus something like, or maybe if we partner with another business, well, that's going to have second, third order consequences. It's a lot tougher for me to wheel back. Like, how do you try to assess that to see what gets put at the back of the quarter, what gets put at that month, what gets put at, hey, let's go and execute it right now? Yeah. So, for things that uh, implicate other people, right, is how I think about it. So, let's say there's something that comes up that I can take care of. It doesn't affect anyone else in the organization and I've got the time for it. I'll do it. I'll just go for it. It's like, you know, autonomy is powerful in that because we're moving without uh, bureaucracy. If, however, I was going to do something that, let's say, greatly affected you, Grant, or the rest of the team, that has to be more thoroughly thought through because it could be at the detriment of things that are more important. And particularly when your organization gets a little bit bigger, I don't always have the perspective on what's important to the team and what their priorities are. And I can often think, well, that's only going to take an hour. That's a weak project. It doesn't happen with websites at I was going to say, we've never heard those conversations before. I'm like, wait a minute. This yeah. is therapy. So that's yep. where planning becomes really important is like you may not have the skills or uh, knowledge around, hey, what impact is this really going to have on Grant in this example or other people? So for me, that's a, like another really big detrimental thing. I like it. So for myself, the morning thinking time slash morning plan and reevaluation is the point that I go and like when I'm looking at a to-do list, it's like, can I get that thing done within a couple of hours, right? And it's like, great, I'll just put it on here and now. And then it's anything that I can't just get done that has, to your point, minimal impact to other people or minimum downside over a period of time. I'll just get it done, no worries at all. But anything that sits there that I go, that's going to require a significant amount of cash, that's going to take a significant amount of time, like a couple of weeks to deliver, or it's going to require full-time employees' effort or your effort, et cetera it'll usually go into a bucket where I just go, great, during a thinking time, which we've covered on the podcast before, I'll just think through this of how big's the, how big's the project plan, 
What's the cost associated to it? And is this something I need to act on now? Or is this something that I can just wait until the end of the quarter or the end of the month, for example? And usually that's how it, for myself, that's how it sort of progresses in the sequence. And then I'm like, no, this opportunity is really important. We have to execute on it now. I'm going to pull Charlie in and have a conversation over it because it's so important that we just break whatever we've got planned for the quarter or the month so that we can start progressing on it. I'm so glad you brought this up because I've been reflecting on what we actually do. If I look at my calendar, I can't find one quarterly planning meeting at all. I looked for it. I'm like, surely we do a planning meeting. <laughs> we, can, we can be those guys that say that we do it, but don't actually do it. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to lie to our audience. <laughs> I, don't, I don't go away for a week and you know plan out the year in January every uh, time or before pick a date, who cares? I don't have set quarterly things to do it because I don't think that's how it really works. That's that rigidness I don't think is there. I actually think what's formed for us, I'm calling it perpetual planning. Perpetual three-month planning? Yeah, so when I, th- when I think about it, I know right now the direction we're trying to go with business and I'll bet you do too. Yes. So at some point, and a North Star, so this might be a big three to five-year direction has been set. We're both clear on that. I'm sure if... Uh, you know when you uh, watch the movies and they uh, two people are involved in a crime and they put them in separate rooms and then they interrogate them to see if the stories line up? Totally. Our stories would line up. Totally. So I go, okay, cool. So at some point, we've made sure we're aligned, mostly through when we either go away for a weekend to play golf or when we're at some sort of thing of going, where, where are we going with this? Inevitably, if things seem too quiet in business, we seem to go on a dinner and reset that or play a game of golf and set that. Right? It's like a natural thing where as soon as business isn't too crazy, we realign that goal. And maybe that's a, a subconscious thing. We, we like having direction and a bigger mission, but the mission is set. So if you're sitting here listening to this podcast or maybe you're driving at the gym, whatever it is, and you know your general direction and you've got your North Star, that's fantastic. That's great. Then inevitably, what I notice in the way we do this is that what will happen uh, every month at least is we have a dinner or a game of golf and we're talking about the next month in alignment to the quarter. So rather than doing this like big quarterly planning session, it's like every month we're updating what we want to achieve in the next couple of months. I find that to be like totally. So yes, we do. We do get away uh, for a long weekend, like one, once a quarter, once every two months, which is such a good like realignment tool. And that is a very out there thinking like what is next? Like where are we going? Are we going crazy? Our- uh, yeah, are our North Stars still aligned or should we shift it and move it to Is a there a better opportunity like com- you picked up with the ad agency? Completely. Which I still, I hate giving you the credit for that, but you were right. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, we'll tattoo it on your arm somewhere. <laughs> Grant was right. But like to that credit, you and I are forever looking up and I, I'm curious of your thoughts on it. See, I feel it's because it's been a reps game. I have the scars on my back of the times that I have not looked up to look a couple of months ahead of me to go, oh, smokes, people are going to go away for Christmas. And this explains why in like the SaaS world, people aren't signing contracts because we're in December. Oh, hang on. If I had seen this <laughs> covered, it would, have been, it would have been better because two months ago, I could have planned for it. But now I'm in the thick of it. Uh, it's now not. So it's almost like I had the reps and the whips on the back of not doing it that I just now have it inbred back in the back of my mind of just going, oh, what's coming up? What's the next holiday? What's the next major pinnacle that we need to think about? Uh, and then it just aligns to what you and I are forever talking about because we're also in competition with each other. 
So it's always like who can come together with great ideas, who's got the opportunities, where are things going that we can see. Well, this has only become more uh, outwardly noticeable since we've been working together. Totally. Uh, when you have a business partner or when you work in a team where you've got maybe like a COO or a C- uh, CMO or something like that, I think naturally that stuff will occur for a lot of people. So, But if you don't, that would be the harder thing. So I know for a lot of business owners, when I speak for them, they actually feel quite isolated and all the planning and everything is on them. And they're probably not doing it in a way that is productive or helpful because they don't have someone pushing them or they don't have that feedback. Like what do you, Maybe someone out there does that. They go play golf on their own and just you know take notes on the phone while they do it. But I doubt it. Or go out to dinner on their own and do it. I think planning becomes the waste. And that's where things like masterminds or peer groups become really valuable is when you can align that. And Did I ever tell you how I approached this like many years ago? So I would. I'm ready for it. Wait, wait, wait. I want to be really so ready for it. Bad. Go for it. No, I, you know what's funny? I loved it. I loved it. Okay. So, so picture this. So here I was isolated in my own business and I sat there and I, I've been in masterminds and I had coaches and everything. And I don't know. I just felt like I, it was too long between catch ups on me doing like quarterly reviews and they were too disconnected from what I was doing, et cetera. So I ended up getting an accountability coach. So this guy was in the UK and you, you know about uh, my accountability coach at the time. Uh, and he was like 50 US an hour or something like that. I can't remember exactly what he was. And literally his job was to sit there for an hour a week whilst I shared my screen, reviewed what I'd done in the previous week, reviewing what I was doing in the next week and what's coming up in the next quarter and how it aligns. And he's just like, I still don't understand why you're paying me to be on this call. Like, we don't really talk. And I'm like, I just need you here <laughs> to make sure that I can, can I do ask it. something about that though? Yeah, yeah. Did it work? It worked. <laughs> it was literally, it was a complete outsourced accountability. But uh, this was at the stage like when I was outsourcing my uh, accountability of willpower at the gym. So I went to like F45 because I'm like, I can't trust myself when I was at the gym because I was just gas from doing so much business. So I'm like, I need someone else to help me with this. And so I actually did that in a season of business because like at the time I was just, I was so busy and I was just jumping on so many different fires that I just needed someone else to pull me up so I could look ahead. And that was it. That was, that was the way I approached it. See, that's so interesting. I actually, so to frame that, I'm thrilled it worked. And if you're the type of person that um, does well in that environment, that might be a great thing for you to add on if you don't have the peer group or network or whatever you're doing right now isn't working for you. I don't think that would work for me though. So it's interesting that that's how you approached it. The thing that helped me the most, so first off, I just didn't do it. I was the Mike Tyson approach. I was like, everything's just too unknowable to plan well. I'm just going to try and make more monthly recurring revenue every month. That's just what I'm going to do. That's the benchmark. Yep. I mean, kind of works, but kind of doesn't because you never plan or play long term. You're just always trying to get the next client where you're not truly trying to scale up your business significantly. Anyway, the thing that did work, though, is that when I was in um, a mastermind, there was a guy and friend of the show, Kim Barron, and not through intentional nature, but to see him progress and his agency doing great things motivated, inspired me to do bigger things and made me aware of like what things could be done. So really powerful of like lighting the fire within me to play bigger and have that accountability because I didn't want to be left out. I had a like internal fear that if I don't keep progressing, I'm not going to fit in with these guys. They're going to all grow past me. And that was the missing layer in what I had because all I was doing was I was competing against myself. I wasn't competing against anyone else or there was no one else trying to thrive. Like this guy would just literally sit there and I'd just start talking to myself. 
but I would be talking to him. But it's not like he's sitting there saying, oh, well, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm approaching it. This is how I've doubled the business in the last X amount of months. And me going, whoa, that's an inspiration. Maybe what I'm, what I'm actually doing needs to be realigned. It was more someone just to make sure that when that one hour came up in my meeting, like in my calendar every week, I just had, I just had to do it because he was there, which was the gap. But then it comes back to a lot of work that I've done on myself, which was uh, self-permission instead of like forcing myself, which we could do 10 episodes on, um, which is a way that we operate now. But at the time, I'm just like, I just needed something. I needed someone to help put the bumpers up. It's like going to bowling. If I don't trust myself to not get in the gutters, I need someone to put the bumpers up so I can get it down the end and have an enjoyable time. So many layers to this episode. I know, right? <laughs> I just open the can of worms. Right. It just gets deeper the more that I think about it. I, I will, I don't, maybe I should trademark this since uh, it's, well, you know, my, my perpetual planning framework. Make, make this opt-in grant. <laughs> PPF. I'll get you a t-shirt too. I think the perpetual quarterly plan is the way to do it. I think the, instead of going like, notably to your point earlier, there's some things like Q2 or Q4 where you've got like time-based things you've got to include like tax returns or if you uh, end of year for holidays or whatever it is. Uh, there's moments in the year where certain things are there. But if you're at the start of every month uh, thinking not just of the month but the three months up, putting things and realigning on that type of frequency, I find that much easier to do, number one. And I also find that we get better results from it. It's interesting you say. So it's almost like a three to one. So it's like look ahead three months but look back one month. So it's like what happened in the last month that you're going to readjust on, rechange because there's always need that feedback. But then reassess of looking forward. Okay, how can I make the next three months amazing? Completely. Have you have you done some? I mean, on the basis of this, we had a discussion the other week. I know we've already thought about what we're doing in Q4, even though it's like I'll use it as a loose term, right? Because probably at the end of this month, we'll be discussing what's happening after that. Perpetual planning. Totally. So. In business, there are a lot of things that you and I want to get done in a very short period of time. Uh, like to be completely transparent, we have six positions that are completely open and available that we're, that we're trying to fill right now. So one of the big things for me at the end of Q4 is actually to level up the entire team, fill the capacity that we've got, like the empty capacity that we've got, whilst also plug behind everybody with processes that we need. So I, I just going to have to jump in. I can't resist. I think hiring and upgrading your team has to be one of the best things you can continually do or have on your list because when you hire people, you're gaining skill sets that you may not have. You're upgrading the ability of your business. Like It's such a leverage move. It can be buying time so that it can free up there. If you're continually putting things on your planning that is revolved around you doing the work, it's going to get very tiring. Well, even even to that point, we recruited a recruiter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to help us with this recruitment. So it was like a level up on the level up. Um, but the pro, to your point, like the processes are like we've recruited some killer people who have actually brought in better ways to do things, which means now we need to upgrade our systems to support that better way of doing things and then re-educate the team coming into the new year as well. Um, and like there are some big things that we're changing. So it's closing out the year to make sure that none of that has like the tail extending into next year. Like, you know, those projects that kind of just like into the next year. It's like, no, I want to cut it off. I want to stop right there, have an enjoyable Christmas and dive back into the next year to go on hard. I love that. What else is on your Q4 planning, Grant? All right. So uh, we spoke about 
my me buying a house in Victoria. So I'm hoping that we find the property and lock it down and hopefully settlement happens in that period of time. And again, there's a lot of hope around that. It's more that the perfect and right asset doesn't come around every single day, Charlie. So we're trying to be very methodical, very strategic around what we're looking to grab and buy. But I'm like, I'd love just to close that out and finish up this end of this year on such a super high from an investments and asset perspective. I just can't wait for it. I like your chances in all honesty. I've been watching the stock in Victoria pretty uh, relentlessly. I'm seeing some screamers. I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to look that much <laughs> because I know there's so much else going on, but I, I'm so excited and so prepped for it. Um, and then one of the other things, uh, the, there are some opportunities, Charlie, that you and I are slash have dove into. Yeah, the secret project. We secret project. <laughs> so there's a whole heap on this secret project that I need to close out and I want to close out before the end of this year because it's just going to crush going into the new year. I like it. We will do an episode on the secret project. We don't mean to be, how can I put it, mysterious. Although we do. Actually, we're trying to be mysterious and curiosity-based. It's just that a few things we want to fall in a line to do a big reveal and take you guys deep on the project here. What about you? What's your interview? This is, I'm, I'm so curious. The podcast. Hey, well, it's already up. I want to make sure we reach a new level with the quality of the content we deliver and also how we get it out in the world. So that's a huge focus for me. I, um, as I said uh, on the previous episode, hugely uh, overwhelmed and humbled by the amount of people that reached out that do listen to the show and the impacts it was having on their business. So bringing this podcast back to life and making sure we're getting it to the people that um, it can help the most, huge thing for me. So that's going to be a big part of my quarter. I love it. Such an important one. And then the second one, which you've already nailed here, is The Secret Project. Right, so definitely the secret project has got a lot of my attention right now. I'm, it's I'm like so many people are going to start picking us about like, what is this secret project? What's going on here? I'm actually excited for us to do the episode where it's actually released. And then third is I'm very focused on YouTube ads at the moment. I, I will share a little bit about this because I think that there's potentially some people who listen to our show that um, may benefit from it. I think YouTube ads is a huge opportunity uh, coming into 2024. It's actually a huge opportunity now. It's that I need to gear up how I'm doing it to deliver at a bigger level. So we're doing a lot of YouTube ads right now. And the more I do them and the more I see in the targeting opportunities and how YouTube's really leveled up, like Facebook and Instagram used to really be the absolute pinnacle when it came to targeting. And YouTube, I don't want to say they were behind, but they were. Where now I'm seeing things roll out, which have really leveled the playing field here. So my big play is to make sure that uh, Valor Media is the best at YouTube ads. That's something I really want to upgrade within the organization. Hence why it's going to be a big end of the year. <laughs> big end of year. Now just remember, Grant, in perpetual planning, our new fa- framework, if we get to the end of the month and we've been punched in the face, we I'm open go. to change. Completely. I'm absolutely open to change. Completely. Then avoid it. Wrap it up. Let's do it. Ooh. Dude. Great podcast. I, I give us credit. I give us credit. It's got to say, we'll let the audience decide that. Nah, yeah, 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 yeah. I can give us own feedback. It's like, you know, when you walk into an interview and you walk out and you're like, that was good. Or like a test when you're at high school and you walk out and you're like, it did so well. You would have done this when you're a plumber, when you put in a toilet and you stood back and you're like, that's a good install right there. I've come to realize when someone else is in control of the decision, it's best to let the market decide. <laughs>
<laughs> and on that note, if you want to subscribe to the newsletter to be notified every single time we drop one of these episodes, head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Just want to say thank you for joining us and we'll catch you on the next episode of Business and Investing.